Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ Women's Midweek Lesson as we are studying the book of Ephesians. Uh, tonight we are doing chapter 5, and we are so glad uh, that you are here with us, whether this is the first time you're here or you've been here all along through every chapter. Uh, I really hope that these lessons and the discussions afterwards, if you're in, a, in one of those, uh, are really helping you to stay grounded in the Word and your faith, uh, especially during this time. Uh, my prayer is that these times bond us together as we all try to maneuver through this crazy situation. So why don't we go to God in prayer and then we'll go ahead and, and jump into our Bible study. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this opportunity to teach right now, God. I pray that you will speak through me, that I will just be a vessel, that the things that I've read in Ephesians 5 and the things you've put on my heart will be exactly what the hearts that are listening tonight need to hear, God. I pray that everyone is encouraged and uplifted and challenged, Father, to be more like your son, Jesus, and to really grab a hold of uh, the purpose that you had uh, behind this letter, what you put on Paul's heart and what was needed for those brothers and sisters back then and what is needed for us now. We love you, God. Continue to help us to stay faithful and alive in our spirit through this time, God. And I pray that you will just continue to guide us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so you can turn your Bibles, obviously, over to Ephesians 5. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but personally, I've hit some times recently of getting weary of all of this. Um, even a bit discouraged, you know, is what I'm doing even helping? So I hope it is helping. I hope you guys are encouraged by the lessons and the things that we're doing. Um, but I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure you're hitting your own walls, too. Uh, of just frustration or maybe your patience level is getting even lower. Uh, you're kind of uh, tired of the at-home work with the kids. Um, but like we shared on Sunday, we need to keep our vision and, and not allow Satan and his evil forces to hijack our faith or our vision. So I want to quickly review in case you're new and just refresh our minds, even if you've been here, um, some of the things that we've been looking at. So in chapter 1, uh, Paul sets it up with, we need to be grateful for all the spiritual blessings. And some of those blessings were that we've been chosen by God, that God chose his kingdom uh, to be for everyone, not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Chapter 2, we learned about how powerful God's grace is, how powerful God's church is, and how powerful the blood of Jesus is. It's such a gift of forgiveness. Chapter 3 uh, we learned about how God's plan is intentional. He's very intentional with what he was doing. And how important it is that we are rooted in God's love. And then chapter 4, Lamisha taught and did a great job. And it was about being eager to seek peace. Not allowing our hearts to get hard. Uh, remembering, you know, that we are here. Our purpose, that, that while we're here, is to reconcile and to forgive. 
So let's go ahead and let's jump in and see uh, what kind of wonderful nuggets we're going to find tonight in chapter 5. So we're going to start by reading Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 2. It says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're going to stop there. We're going to read through the whole chapter, but I wanted to start with verses 1 and 2. And I love how he starts this. His first lesson here is to the disciples in this part, though there weren't chapters. This was one big long letter. His first lesson here in, in chapter 5 is to imitate God. And the Greek word for imitate is like our word mimic, uh, to have a pattern. And so he's saying, I want you to mimic God. I want you to imitate all the things that you see about God. Um, that same word is used in three different scriptures, and they're going to get put up on the screen. You can look at them at another time. You can jot them down. But it's cool when you see that same word. Hebrews 6, in, in Hebrews 6, verse 12, it says to imitate, mimic the faithful. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 14, it says to imitate other churches, to mimic things that we see in other parts of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, imitate his example, mimic, look at the pattern and copy it. So how do we live, you know, a life of love? Well, it's simply here he says we need to imitate God's example of love. And he uses this example of Jesus. And he says, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So how we live a life of love is our example of Jesus like Jesus loved us, he gave himself up for us. Jesus surrendered to God's will and his ways. Whether you look at the situation in the garden or you look at the cross, you look at his whole time while he was here. It was a time he entrusted himself to God. He gave himself up and that's what we need to imitate. Turn over to, we're going to come away from Ephesians 5 for just a minute. So look over in 1 Peter chapter 2. Starting in verse 21, I love this scripture and it goes so great with, with this, this part of Ephesians. In 1 Peter 1, chapter 2, starting in verse 21, it says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So in this scripture, it talks about how Jesus didn't retaliate. He didn't threaten. And there's a very important word there. It says instead. Instead, he made a choice. He chose to love. He chose to surrender. And it says again, he gave himself up for us. In verse 24 and 25, I'll read again. It says, so that we, uh, he himself bore our sins in his body in the tree so that now we might die to sins. We might give ourselves up and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed for you were like a sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. You know, the, the to give ourselves up, to stop sinning, is what it means to live a life of love. 
to trust God, to trust God's story, to trust God's way, to trust that God has our back. Then we're able to give. Then we're able to give ourselves up and really live that life of love. You know, another time this word is used, and you don't have to turn there, is in John chapter 19, when it says that Jesus gave up his spirit. When he gave his spirit up, that same word is there in the Greek. That same concept of complete surrender, dying for us. You know, you go back and you read Ephesians 5, so turn away from 1 Peter 2. Go back to Ephesians 5 in verse 1 and 2, and I just want to read it again. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, I, I love to read the Amplified, as you guys know, and so I think Lamisha's going to put it up there. In Ephesians 5, verse 2, the Amplified says, And walk continually in love, that is, value one another, practice empathy, and compassion. You know, in today's world, that is crucial right now. It's so important that we value one another. You know, what's that going to look like for you? What does it look like for me to choose to live a life of love, to choose to value one another, to choose to not retaliate when every part of us wants to retaliate. Every part of us wants to speak out and maybe not do it in the, in the right way. We've got to practice empathy. We've got to practice compassion. It doesn't, it doesn't always come easy. Some situations, it's a breeze. But right now, I believe we have a lot of opportunities to practice empathy, putting ourselves in somebody else's shoes and saying, wow, I've, I've never been through that. What is it like to go through that? Having compassion when others are hurting, when maybe we're not. Loving like Jesus loved us. Now let's read on. Let's go ahead and read in Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 7. It says in verse 3, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, talk or co coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man or a woman, is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So it can seem like you go from this first part where, you know, we need to choose to live a life of love, and then Paul gets really strong here. But this is also a part of living a life of love. You know, when we... Um, made a decision to imitate God and then became a part of his church, there, there was a new standard that was necessary. And Paul is reminding them of that and us of that. He says, among you, there needs to be a standard. You know, we can't have a standard out in the world. You know, this standard of the scriptures, we can't place that on the world, but we need to have that standard. You know, it's got to be upheld. It's got to be practiced. And he's reminding them of that, that that's what it means to really live a life of love. So let me paint a picture for you of, of what the times were like then. I think a lot of times we think, wow, it's so crazy now. You know, it's nothing like back in the times of uh, the Ephesians, but it really is no different. You know, at that time, 
Um, one example I'll give you. At that time, in many of the cities, there were temples to different gods. And one of those temples was the goddess of love. And the temple priests were paid by prostitution. Crazy. I mean, they would have prostitutes and the money they made was how they continued to upkeep the temple. You know, so we think it's immoral and standardless and crazy now. There was so much of the same sin that we deal with now was prevalent at that time too. Jesus's church at that time and now had to have a, a standard, especially in regard to sin and righteousness. If we choose to imitate God, we can't live like we're in the world and claim to follow Jesus because that's just hypocrisy. And so many of us, you know, were turned off about God and church because we saw that hypocrisy. So if we claim to be disciples, we've got to make sure we have a high standard in our lives, but also in God's church. You know, obviously, Paul knew that they were being tempted uh, to be influenced instead of being the influencers. It's so much easier to be influenced than to be the one that influences others. That's why even in verse 6, he says, don't be deceived by empty words. It's so easy to hear, have people say things or the world say things, and then we back down on our standard of righteousness, or we back down on our standard of what is sin. And we can't, we can't do that. We can't allow that influence. You know, our behavior reflects, um, our behavior reflects the validity of our faith. Think about that. Our behavior really reflects, is my faith valid? So how, how do we function? How do you function? Are you different with those that are not disciples? You know, do you allow your standard to slide depending on the people that you're around? You know, living a life of love means keeping that standard of righteousness high, fighting sin, even the hints, like he says. What do you need to maybe get more serious about? You know, what do I need to get more serious about? There's so many times we can let things slide and we can get accustomed to certain things and let ourselves off the hook. We need to make sure that we keep our standard high. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, go away from Ephesians for just a minute, and look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to look at something there. Chapter 6, in verse 19 and 20, a short little verse, but in 19 it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom, who you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's so important, especially as women, that we really honor God with our body. We honor God with our heart. You know, we were bought with a price. Jesus died so we would have a chance to be righteous, to be pure, to be holy. Let's not uh, be ungrateful for that. And let's make sure we keep that standard high. So go back to Ephesians 5, and we're going to go ahead and read there and go on to our next section, okay? And so we talked about, you know, his first part here is living a life of love and what that looks like. Now let's go into the second part, verses 8 through 14. It says in 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. 
have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. All right, so the second thing I want to look at is that we need to live as children of light. So first it was we need to live a life of love. But secondly, we need to live as children of light. You know, I love in this section and in the scriptures really everywhere, and especially in Ephesians, there's this constant contrast that's always painted in the scriptures. It's dark to light, fruitless to fruitful, invisible to visible, hidden to exposed. And our lives as disciples need to be a contrast. They need to be in direct opposition to the dark, to the fruitless, to the invisible, to the hidden. Our life needs to be a light, needs to be fruitful, needs to be visible, needs to be exposing. You know, once I was this way, now I am this way. Our lives have to bear the fruit of light. So the question for us is, you know, what fruit are we bearing? Are people seeing the fruit of the light in our life? And then you look in verse 10. I love this one. And he says, and find out what pleases the Lord. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I hear Paul saying, figure it out. Because so many times we're like, I, I don't know. Is this pleasing to God? Is it not? And he's like, figure it out. Find out what pleases the Lord. And, you know, really the scriptures have all the answers. You know, but we've got to put the effort in. We've got to get in there. We've got to dig like we're even doing in this study. We've got to dig in there so that we can find out what does please the Lord. Uh, but we can also help each other. So many times someone else's experience, somebody else's knowledge in the scriptures, they can help us. And that light exposes things in us and can expose things in others. So either by reading the word it gets exposed or by really talking and helping each other, it can get exposed. To live as children of the light, we need to let the light expose. And that takes us really getting into the scriptures and really letting the, the light do its job. You know, what, what is God exposing in you right now? You know, what is his light revealing? What is his light making more visible to you? Maybe that you have more time to think about it, more time hopefully to be in your Bible, more time to meditate and pray. You know, sometimes we can be afraid of that. We, we can't be afraid of God bringing things to light, you know, because that light is healing. That light is something we want those dark areas of our heart to be exposed. Those dark spots that we know, I know I really should deal with this. I know this really is something I need to work on. And it's interesting because then Paul goes back to an Old Testament scripture a concept that they would have been very familiar with. And I want I want us to read that. It's in Isaiah 60, 60 verse 1. And I'm going to actually read it to you in the Amplified. So I'm going to pull that over. Uh, in, in Isaiah 60, in verse 1, it says, Arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory and the brilliance of the Lord, for your light has come. And the glory and the brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. I love that. Arise from spiritual depression to new life. 
You know, he's trying to get them to remember, wow, you're, you're, you have experienced the risen Christ. Arise, shine. Don't allow yourself to go down. It's a great charge for us to remember that that's what it means to really live as children of the light. But then let's go on and let's read in verse 15. And we're going to go from 15 down to 20. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so let's talk about this. Living as children of the light. Well, we've already looked at that. Living as children of the light means there should be a contrast, right? That we should be finding out what pleases the Lord. But here also, it means it takes wisdom. And he talks about walking carefully, living carefully. And he gives them some practicals, which is really ha helpful. This, this chapter is very practical. This is Paul trying to help them out to really know what it means to live as children of the light. And so he talks about in verse 16, he says, um, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And I love this when he talks about this idea of making the most of every opportunity. Uh, the Greek word there actually is equivalent to buy up at the marketplace, basically take advantage of the deal, you know, buy it all up, um, seize the opportunity. And I kept thinking about toilet paper and uh, paper towels and all kinds of things right now that we have to, you know, everybody's buying up at the marketplace. And that's what the word meant. He's saying, make the most of every opportunity you get, you know, you do whatever it takes, you know, to build up your wisdom so that you can walk carefully, live carefully what you know because the days are evil there's there's so much evil like build up your wisdom tank uh, and he's talking about it also about being aware of how we are living of who we represent taking advantage of the opportunity and what areas of wisdom do you need to grow in because people are watching how we walk we, people are looking at, at our lives in verse 18 it's an interesting part of the scripture and he talks about not getting drunk you know, being filled with the spirit and then singing. And this whole little part here is very, was interesting to me. And I really think what Paul's saying to them is he's teaching them, you know, that to be aware of what they fill themselves with. What are you filling yourself with? And, you know, at that time, there was actually a Greek tradition, um, and it was, was an evil one, to sing to the pagan gods. And while they sang to the pagan gods, they got drunk while doing it. So this was, uh, you know, a big thing at that time. So Paul is probably thinking of that. It's like, okay, I know what you used to do. You used to sing and get drunk, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. And he says, instead of filling yourself with that, I want you to be filled with different things. I want you to be filled with gratitude, filled with respect for each other. You know, I want you to have a song on your heart for God. I, bought, I want you to be filled with the word filled with the spirit, the fruits of the spirit, compassion, fellowship. So the question for us is, you know, what are we filling ourselves with? 
What are we putting in ourselves? We need to be putting so much more of God in us than anything from the world. And at this time, he wanted to make sure they were remembering that. Come on, guys. You came out of that pagan background. I want you to remember what you came out of, what you used to do, how you used to fill yourself, and I want you to fill yourself differently. Okay? So there's already amazing things we've learned from this chapter. First, how we need to live a life of, of love and think about how Jesus gave himself up, how he loved us. Secondly, we need to live a life as children of the light, really being serious about sin, you know, really filling ourselves with the right things, being wise, walking carefully, living carefully, really shining our light. But lastly, what I want us to talk about is living a surrendered life where we are one with Christ, really married to Jesus. Okay, so let's look at Ephesians 5 and we're going to read this last, last part here. Uh, verse 21, down through the end. It says, submit to one another at a reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And present her to, oh, and I have a tear in my page there, so I'm going to have to skip a few words. Present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or other any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He, him, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking uh, about Jesus. I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, wow. A lot there, okay? A lot, of, a lot of things we could talk about. We won't get into all of it tonight, uh, but uh, we will dig into some of this. And it's very interesting because um, a lot of people can look at this and feel like this is just about the roles in marriage, but it's really not. And there's a lot more to it, and I'm going to talk about that. So the last point here is, is that we need to live a surrendered life. And it starts off at verse 21. He says, submit to one another at a reverence for Christ. You know, first, we need to yield. That's what that word submit means. We need to yield. We need to surrender, he says, to one another. Why? Because we first yielded and surrendered to Jesus' leadership. That's who I surrender to first, and that's who I surrender to every day. And because I surrender to him first, then I can yield to others, whether it's in my marriage or it's with another woman or whatever, or an authority. My, because I first yield to Jesus, I can trust that he's going to be taking care of me and I won't be used or abused. Um, out of respect for Jesus, fill in the blank. Out of respect for Jesus, I will trust. I will surrender. I will yield. I will know that you've got my back, even though right now I'm scared or I, I'm afraid to trust in this situation. Out of respect for Jesus. 
Now, a little backstory here that I feel like helps me when I'm reading the scriptures. Their concept of marriage, their concept of marriage was crazy. Okay, it was it was all over the place. You had the Jews who could get a divorce and all they needed was a piece of paper that they handed to the rabbi and they could come up with all kinds of crazy reasons to be divorced. So it was pretty easy. The Greeks had no local, uh, no legal procedures, so they could just divorce whenever they wanted to. And the Romans, I mean, it was known for there to be women that had had up to 23 husbands. So marriage was not respected, not understood. It was it was a crazy mess. So, you know, we think we have it bad. You know, it's, it's no different really today as it was back then. So I'm not going to necessarily get into the different roles here because I think what Paul's doing is something a little different. I think he's helping them to understand everything is brand new, guys. Our concept of marriage, our concept of submission and surrender is all brand new. Every relationship, there's submission in. Every relationship. And he wants them to go back to the primary one, which is Jesus and the church. Jesus and us. Back then, there was no relational respect at all. And so he's, you know, what Paul's trying to do is help them to see, wow, it's different here now. Um, and he's focusing on their union with Jesus, their submission to him. And that does not depend on your marital status. Uh, he wants them to th be thinking about their marriage to Jesus, their covenant agreement with Jesus. If we use that, then we are able to trust in these other relationships that we have. And we, we can learn how to yield to each other out of respect and we can nourish and love and protect each other and not, you know, have the opposite where it's mistrust or I can get out of this anytime I want to, or I can cut this off or I can abandon this like they were experiencing. All relationships are going to reflect our submission to Jesus. All relationships are going to reflect how we yield to Jesus. So the question for us is how submissive how surrendered are we to Jesus? How submissive and surrendered are we to his ways first? And then how about in all my relationships? So it's not so much about, well, what's my role as a wife? Because then what if you're not a wife? This is for everybody. This is for everyone, no matter what station in life they're in. We can submit and surrender to Jesus, trust him, and then apply that to all the other relationships, whether it's woman to woman, man to woman, authority of anyone in the world, we can first go, well, I'm submitted to Jesus and that's gonna help me to submit in all the other areas. I want you to look in verse 32. We're gonna close out here. Ephesians 5, verse 32, it says, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. That was his real intent. He defines the roles somewhat, but his real intention was, hey guys, it's a mystery. It's not easy to understand how to submit, but you know what? If you go back to your understanding of submission to Jesus, that's going to be how you understand how to submit and how to surrender. You know, in, in marriage, two become one, but he says, but I'm talking about that you became one with Jesus. 
Let's make sure that we are honoring that. We're surrendering to him and that that is then crossing over into all of our relationships. Let's live a life of love. Let's live as children of the light. And then let's live a surrendered life so that we can bring a light to this world that is so dark. So we can be that contrast. We can be those women that really can help other women even understand what it truly means to surrender your heart to God. I hope this has helped you guys. Let's have some great discussions. Um, Lamisha is going to be putting the questions up here. It's a little bit after 8. Uh, most of the groups will start about 8.15. But thank you so much. We'll be back in two weeks with Chapter 6. I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you're being spurred on. And let's have a great time tonight discussion. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.